0: Hi there, catsuit. Hi there, Nookie. Wait, I wasn't expecting you right now.
1: Yeah, I just wanted to stop by and tell everyone about our event coming up Valentine's weekend.
0: You mean the three-day education and social event focusing in on dating and relationships for kinky folks called the Kinky Dating Something Something and Love Blah 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 event? We've got great speakers lined up, including me.
1: Yeah, also Lexi Silver, Zach Budd, Unruly Nerd Girl, and I'll even be presenting a four-hour workshop. Don't worry, it's in two parts. About how to defuckify your dating and create a profile and a life that weeds out what you don't want and attracts what you do. Registration is open now. And the first 500 people get in free, so don't hesitate. Get registered at datingkinky.com dating dash love dash event.
0: It's a great opportunity to learn from the people you love about the people you hope to love. I know it's on my Valentine's Day calendar. Chocolates are optional.
1: The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Connections and Kinky Education. It's kinky done differently. This is what women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun conversation about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy. With questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host.
0: Hi there, catsuit hello there nookie and welcome to what women and other wonderful humans want a look into the beginning of traditional and non-traditional relationships from the first impression to the messaging that finally wins people over i'm john known around some parts as hi there catsuit and this week we continue diversity december a month dedicated to voices underrepresented in our community on this episode we'll examine a world where gender is not singular And abilities thrive amongst challenges with two great guests. Angela Carr is a sex and kink positive disability educator born with spina bifida. Angela shares her unique perspective in navigating relationships, sex, and intimacy. She came into the kink lifestyle eight years ago and has been in a 24 7 total power exchange relationship for the past five years on the right side of the slash. Her areas of expertise include LGBTQ+, bladder and bowel incontinence, polyamory, and kink. Angela's podcast called Desirability Alt explores disability, desire, and alternative relationships. Fall Bunny is a 21-year-old non-binary human who is a great part of an online community. They also deal with some invisible disabilities that make connections sometimes difficult or hard to explain. With a great amount of information, inspiration, and important thoughts and feelings from two great humans, we present Fall Bunny and Angela Carr.
1: It's the first five.
0: And we're joined by Angela Carr and Fall Bunny, two great guests. And we will start, as we always do, with the first five, five questions about first. So, Fall, I will start with you. Best first impression you ever got from a prospective partner?
2: Best first impression with who ended up being my first longtime partner um, was it was high school and uh, part of drama class was we had to go to these shows that were put on by the older grades. And my future boyfriend was one of the actors in in the play and he played a gay scientist. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the first time I had ever noticed him in school. And it was, it was a big first impression for sure, um, but one of my strongest memories of him, oddly enough, um, and a great first impression because, I mean, although I thought he was gay for about a year, <laughs> to be fair, so did he. <laughs> he thought I was dating my best friend, and it worked out in the end, so.
3: Angela, how about you? My first boyfriend also started in in high school we uh were friends of friends at the time and he was a comedian and comedian and magician (laughs) (laughs) so here he is doing all these magic tricks and he's like you know um you know, just center of attention and just a, a completely opposite of me because I was like wallflower <laughs> mm-hmm. and we ended up together. And it's funny because, um, you know, he, I guess he helped me open up because we would joke about those first dates that we had, where he'd be like, you just don't talk at all. <laughs> <laughs> and here he is like life of the party, complete opposite.
0: First time you realize that you were a little different, and your reaction to it.
3: When I started going to school, um, in nursery school, so I never realized that I was different, or that I had a disability, was different from anyone else. You know, with my family, but it was when I started going to school, and the kids would look at him, look at me different and point out those differences to me.
0: Fall bunny,
2: how about you?
3: Oh boy, I mean
2: first time I noticed I was different in general, um, probably elementary school, because I, you know, there's still some some learning disabilities that I'm pretty sure I have that haven't been diagnosed, but um, I was just picking up on certain types of lessons way faster than anybody else. Um, but then constantly struggling in those areas that everyone else seemed to be doing fine with. And nothing was really ever pointed out to my parents that there was an issue, which I found odd. Um, But so for example, I did great at math constantly. I was usually one of the first five to hand in my test and I was always like high 90s. But English, I didn't get higher than a C in English class in elementary school until about grade six. Because I just couldn't spell anything, I didn't understand the grammar, and nothing was ever, you know, done to help that. Um, so I think that that was probably the first time I realized that there was something a bit different. Um, or we could go with the kinky side of things. <laughs>
0: if you'd like,
2: continue. Uh, first time I noticed that there was something different about me in, uh, in a kinky way or a sexuality way was I, see, I love this story. I was on a trip to England in high school with my, with my school. And we took a Jack the Ripper tour and the tour guide pretended to stab me and it turned (laughs) me on way more than it should have. (laughs) So that's probably the first time I realized, oh, this is not,
3: normally people don't get these feelings.
0: So Angela, first time you knew you were kinky.
3: So it actually started with Polly for me. Hmm. I was married at the time. And probably about eight years into my marriage, I realized I was bisexual and I was attracted to women. And so I started going to poly meetups and that's when my husband and I opened up our marriage and I started dating other people. Uh, And then from there, I found out about kink and Mm -hmm. got more and more curious about that.
0: This might be a difficult question, but I will try to be guarded as I ask it. And I'll start with you, Angela. First time you ever felt normal.
3: I think I would say actually when I entered the kink community, I felt like I found my people. (laughs) Um, I just felt accepted. Uh, I found dating in the kink world a lot easier than in the vanilla world. And I didn't feel judged.
0: I think a lot of people feel that way when they join the kink community. Fall, how about you?
2: Uh, Pretty similar. It definitely started when I joined the kink community, but I I actually, I have to say, it would have been this past weekend for me, or not, uh, two weekends ago. Mm -hmm. I went to visit my cousin, who is very open in the kink community, and I unashamedly had sex with her roommate (laughs) which is nothing I would ever have thought of doing and I'm just in this place right now where I want to be able to have fun and and it feels okay to want that and he's not a kinky person by any means which I found interesting um, because I never thought I would be with someone that wasn't kinky but there was just this overwhelming comfort with him and he gives me those like butterfly feelings without me wanting to date him which (laughs) is really nice Mm -hmm. and it makes me feel very normal because I'm 21 this is when I'm supposed to be doing these things this is supposed to be the time when I get to go out and have fun and not give a care in the world and I'm sure you can understand this Angela As someone with a disability you don't that's that's usually gets put on the back burner yeah. you don't get to have those opportunities of not giving a shit so it was really nice to have that weekend of not caring deal with the consequences later which I am now because I've been sick for over a week <laughs> but it's worth it <laughs> yeah
0: And we'll be clear, sick is in a cold. It wasn't anything that is going around these days. Yes.
2: (laughs) No, I just have a really nasty cold.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Too much kissing. Uh, Yeah. Final question of the first five. And this question is asked every time we do the first five. And I'll let you start fall. First time you received a dick pic and your reaction to it.
2: I had a really strange online relationship type thing when I was 16 17 um, very unhealthy relationship but in that he would send me dick pics a bunch and I mean obviously the the expectation was there that I would reciprocate those pictures um but, but yeah that was he was much older than me so that should not have been a thing that was first on his list to do so that's probably the first time that I ever was was sent on um, uh, first time I was ever
3: sent dick pics,
0: <laughs> Angela.
3: So I think it was online, and I think I was angry because I just felt it was this. It was a person I don't know at all, and it was this assumption that because I'm kinky or because I'm submissive that I would want this, and so I felt angry about it.
1: Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of grey. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on what women and other wonderful humans want.
4: Thank you. What is your fantasy? Do you have a secret? We all have sexual fantasies or secrets. That's what my show is all about. My name is Nikki, and I'm the host of In Bed with Nikki. In this show, it's all about sex and the fantasies that people have. Reading from my emails directly and anonymously sent to me, together we will explore the experiences of everyday people just like yourself often this is the very first time they've told anyone else about them you can find in bed with nikki on Podchaser, spotify apple itunes and anywhere else you find your other favorite podcasts and remember for every problem there is a solution And I happen to call it an orgasm. And until next time, enjoy. This is what women and other
1: wonderful humans want. Presented by Dating Kinky. Kinky Connections and Kinky Education. It's kinky done differently.
0: Angela, what do you think is a good way to message somebody that they don't know to form a connection?
3: Read their profile and see if you connect with them about something. See if you can f- find a connection in their bio about something that they're interested in. Um, I get a lot of these messages from people that just say hi, how are you, and I never like those because I feel like they're going to, you know, try to scam me or, um, you know, like. I just get kind of like a creepy vibe sometimes from the, just the hi, how are you? And so if somebody it is, um, if they see something in my bio that they like, ask me a question about it, talk, say something about it, um, you know, it would be direct.
0: Fall, I'll ask the same question to you, but realizing that you are non-binary, I would guess that there's actually uh, even more things to consider when you're getting a message from somebody for the first time.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, I will add to the, the, hi, how are you kind of thing. That's a major turnoff because how are you supposed to respond to that? How are you supposed to start a conversation with a stranger? That's just saying hi to you. Um, for me, any, um, Like dating site or anything that I have a profile on I always have in there send me your best worst pun or pickup line because I like those really really shitty pickup lines and puns (laughs) they make me laugh they make me smile and that's the best way to get to my heart Um, but yeah I'd say (sighs) I don't like the messages that are oh my God, you're so beautiful, or your body is gorgeous, because for me, this isn't the body that I want. I have a very large chest, and it's easiest for me to post pictures where they're prominent because it helps me disassociate from them and not feel as much dysphoria. And I understand it's a kind of (laughs) catch-22 expecting people not to comment on that, but as soon as someone does and has their focus on that, telling me that I'm beautiful because of my chest, I'm not, I'm not interested because I know that they're going to be gone one day. And if you're only interested in my body because of my chest, we're both going to end up sad.
0: <laughs> Angela, one of the things that I do know about when people message each other is sometimes they're messaging people, because they think that they can bring something to them, rather than wanting to form a connection with that person. You have a very amazing life in the fact that you not only are poly, you work with your disability, you are kinky, you, have, uh, you use a lot of your different flags for queer, and I see all of those things. What is it about somebody's messaging to you that disregards all those things? How does that make you feel?
3: I think when somebody messages me and they're only interested in um, talking about the disability, like if they're a devotee or, you know, um, and they're only focused, like, say, because I walk with crutches.
4: Mm-hmm. So they're
3: only interested in that rather than in getting to know me. Um, and then also sometimes, too, it's, it's hard when people, when they see me and they just talk down to me, mm. you know, or they're offering help, but they don't actually ask me if they need help. They just assume that I need help. Things like that.
0: It seems to me, and I have heard this a lot in the transgender community, that when you have some extreme kink people, they will sometimes even fetishize the disability.
3: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Tell me about that.
3: So yeah, there's folks that will say that they're attracted to people with disabilities um, in the same way that someone may be attracted to someone with blonde hair the problem becomes that it feels um, very much like they're just interested in the equipment that I use. Mm. Um, If someone messages me from that kind of point of view, I usually just don't respond um, because I don't feel like they're trying to get to know me as a person. Um, They're interested in, in the equipment or they might be interested in um, like I also have bladder, bladder issues and bowel issues. And so people have like diaper fetishes and different things like that. If they like right off the bat are messaging me about those things, uh, I'm not interested in talking with them. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Fall, I would imagine, and we've talked about this privately from time to time that sometimes you receive messaging that only, as you mentioned, talk about your looks But how is it that you're able to deal with people who won't deal with what your life is, which is one where you're non-binary, you are having a situation with your body where you're not pleased with how your body looks or how it feels? Explain to me a little bit about and I dare, I'm really hesitant in calling it this, Just but say it. like conversion people, like, oh, if you met me, you'd be a girl. Yeah. Um, and that was very difficult to say because you're my friend.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, we talk every week. its uh, It's hard to put into words the way that people... like so how you said like the idea of I like I could make you a girl kind of thing if you were with me nobody outright says that nobody starts talking to you and says I'm only going to see you as a girl or at least they don't tend to because they know that you'll stop talking to them if you do that Mm -hmm. um But I mean, I've had people that I I would talk to for weeks and things are going really nice that I'm getting along with them really well. But, you know, I make it very clear very early that I don't want you to call me a girl. We can discuss what like cute pet names, if you want to call me a cute pet name or what terms to use for things, that's fine. I'm okay with having that kind of conversation. Just don't call me a girl. (laughs) Um. And it's one of those things where you'll be talking and they'll say something that alludes to you being a girl. And that's where I have most of the issue with it is the disregard for my feelings in it, because to them, it's just, it'd be like saying to someone, you know, don't call me i'll use your name so don't call me angela because i don't like the name i was born with but they keep forgetting because that's all they know you off of so they just call you angela it's not the same (laughs) this is my life that i've had to deal with for 20 plus years that i'm trying to have everyone around me that's known me for those 20 plus years stop doing this thing you've just met me and i've like From the start told you that this is a thing not to do with me and you disregard that. Does that make sense?
0: (laughs) makes perfect sense. So I want to get into more of a positive thing here because we've been talking about some of the negatives and I definitely want to get into the positive. Fall, you're a member of a group that gets together on Fridays that uh, the folks at Off the Cuffs are So nice to put together a a munch where you get to meet all sorts of different people. I remember the first time we met each other in this munch, uh, which takes place online every Friday. And I remember you being very shy, but suddenly you have become this wonderful personality. What is it about being around a group of like-minded people that empowers you?
2: Oh, boy. I mean, I will say I remember that very clearly, too, because my first munch, I probably didn't say more than 10 words and I was there most of the night. The next week I dressed up to the nines. I was there. I was talking and I loved it because I was getting attention from these people that I mean, I found attractive on a very basic level um, and they found me attractive as who I was and completely respected me I have not ever once been misgendered by anyone there no one has ever said anything to me that I have found um hurtful and it's really truly just a great group of people that even if you're not into the same things we talk about it And there's very open communication and we're all just having fun. And I mean, I've made it my little goal every week to outdo myself and always, (laughs) always look great every week, just so I can get those little reactions in my own selfish little way. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's a group of people that it's... It's finding that core group of friends that even though I don't talk to them every day, one-on-one, I know that they will be there for me if I needed something. If I needed that extra bit of support, they're all there for me.
0: Angela, what kind of group empowers you?
3: Very similar, actually. So I actually have a funny story. When I first came into the kink community so my husband at the time and I were going to different poly meetups and um, kink events. Uh, our first swinger event, actually, that we tried, we went and no one talked with us the whole night. Mm. And, and I'm not saying that that's all swingers, you know, it might have just been this particular group. Um, but we went to that. And then the next event we went to was a munch. And people were coming over and introducing themselves and like with me being so shy it was great that people were coming and approaching me Mm
4: -hmm. and
3: you know and and usually in the vanilla world i don't get that um you know i I make a joke that i'm i a lot of women talk about how they don't like to go to a bar by themselves because you know all the men will be trying to pick them up Mm -hmm. i've never had that experience um you know people might open a door for me but they don't really flirt with me Mm -hmm. um But it's, it's kind of funny because I think that the fact that the people at that munch came over and talked with us, it was like, okay, now we're kinksters (laughs) instead of swingers. (laughs) Um, But, you know, being in the lifestyle, I I have also gotten a core group of friends uh, that I consider chosen family now. And my husband passed away about six years ago. Mm -hmm. And when he passed, it was those people that were coming to my house, cooking me dinner, doing my laundry. Like they just came and took care of me. Um, Yeah. And, and it was amazing. And I thought to myself, you know, I joined the lifestyle thinking I was was just going to have all this fun, kinky sex, but it, it turned out to be like such a caring community for me. Um, Yeah.
0: Fall, I know that you deal with disability for the purposes of understanding what you have to go through can you share what you're comfortable with of what you have to deal with
2: yeah for sure so i was diagnosed with fibromyalgia a handful of years back um and the main thing i'll say about fibro is that it likes to mimic other disabilities. Mm. Um, So I've had seizure-like symptoms in the past with no actual seizure activity. Um, I have bladder issues now without without there being anything wrong, which is a hard way to explain something, but there's no better way of saying it other than there's nothing... Actually, wrong with my body except for that there is <laughs> mm-hmm. um so I mean I deal with pain on a daily basis of varying levels and there's not really a moment I get out of the day that I'm not in pain um fibro fog is a huge thing so it's this this constant state of confusion and and forgetfulness Mm. that you kind of have to wade through. Um, It's like looking through murky water, trying to find a pair of keys at the bottom. Mm. It's like, you know, they're there. And if you dig around long enough, you'll be able to find it. It's just really hard to do. And, you know, some days it means I don't leave my bed. Other days it means I can do a lot of stuff, but I have to like push through that pain. Mm Um, I use varying, uh, mobility aids.
0: That's a good picture. That's a good picture. So it will lead me into what I wanted to ask Angela. Angela, you bring this amazing combination of combining desire with disability. Explain to me where that idea came from and how it is helping you empower others.
3: My website is Desirability, and it's D-I-S-I-R ability.com. And that's because I'm combining the words disability and desire. And really it's because when people think about folks with disabilities, they don't see us as being sexual beings. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times society sees us as being childlike needing to be taken care of, needing to be protected and not realizing that we also have sexual needs and desires. And so that's where that came from. So I'm trying to bring out the fact that we are sexual be- beings and everyone has uh, desires for, for touch, for relationships. Um, you know, some people may be asexual but not everyone with a disability is asexual um, so, you know, I think it's a, a big need that we need to look at. What
0: are some of the subjects that you've handled in your podcasts and on your site?
3: Mm-hmm. Talked about communication with doctors. Uh, I've talked about communication with our partners about disability. Uh, cause I know for me, you know, a lot of it is sharing my own personal journey I, I like to say that I, I like to try to be that person I wish I had when I was younger um, to answer questions about disability and sex and intimacy. You know, when I was in my first relationship, there were so many things that I kept hidden from my boyfriend out of fear because growing up, I wanted to be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And even though I, I walked, with braces and I, you know, you could obviously see that I had a disability when I walked, I still was trying to deny my disability. I was still trying to just fit in and be like everybody else. And so I did everything I could to try to hide it. And that Mm -hmm. affected my relationship. So now with my relationship now with my sir, you know, I talked about all my issues. I have spina bifida and I talked about all of my um, symptoms that I have right away with him. And I think that's really helped our relationship. Um, Yeah, so then I talk about that and I talk about safety and kink and um, talking with your partners, especially if you're going to be involved in any BDSM type of play, talking about your medical needs and what your limits are.
0: Fall, since Angela was talking about trying to hide it in her early days, you have the situation where it's not apparent how do you best be able to communicate what your special needs might be, especially when somebody cannot see it just from the outside?
2: Yeah, so living with an invisible disability is a very interesting space that you try and navigate because I have so much of that internalized ableism where I will purposefully not use a mobility aid because I don't want to look disabled. I don't want to deal with those stares from strangers and I have the privilege to be able to do with that. Um, Yes I have to deal with the consequences later but I, I have that little bit of privilege of being able to go out with a mobility aid on a day where I don't absolutely need it and it's this tricky space of i want to be empowering to other people with disabilities and say look at me i can go out and not care what people think but also it's so hard to deal with the constant questions by strangers um you know uh, 2 years ago i was going to a doctor's appointment basically twice a week every week for months.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And that I mean, I'm sure you can understand Angela how difficult public transit is on your body. Um and I was using either my cane or my walker all the time and I would just constantly get questions from you know old Italian ladies saying, "Did you hurt your knee? Did something happen to your knee?" <laughs> Like, no, this is just, this is my life. Like, how are you supposed to respond to them? And it's this pressure that's put on you to by other disabled people that you're supposed to educate every single time. But it's exhausting. And sometimes you just want to pretend like it's not there. And so, you know, sometimes I, I do just pretend it's not there. And that gets me into tricky situations where, you know, I've been on a very crowded bus without a mobility aid and people glare at me for taking up a disabled seat on the bus when I have every right to be using that seat. And other times it's kind of been used to my advantage where I've had my cane and I felt bad for it, but an old lady gave up her spot on the bus for me because nobody else would. Mm. Um, in regards to, you know, partners and kink, uh, I mean, again, I think the, the open communication is the hardest, but the best thing to do. Um, my my longest term partner that I had. Uh, I mean, I lived with him for a year and he so he was seeing every day the hardest point in I was having a terrible flare up and he was going to doctor's appointments with me. And he was seeing all those stares and glares I was getting by strangers. And, you know, it's something that he pointed out to me that when he would go to school, and you know see an a non-accessible space he's like well i couldn't bring my partner with me this day like and and it's unfortunate how unaccessible places are but it's good that we make able-bodied people aware and i mean i'm and again, all my dating profiles, I have somewhere in there that I have disability and that affects things. And I'm always open to talking about that with someone that wants to know more.
0: Angela, I saw your head nodding up and down with so much agreement there. Yes. I'm sure you have some thoughts to share.
3: <laughs> yeah, so uh, when I was in high school, I was supposed to be using crutches. And I refused to, because again, I wanted to fit in with everybody else. And, you know, I was told when I get to my 40s, I'm going to have knee problems if I don't use these crutches. And now I'm in my 40s, and I have knee problems. Mm. And, um, and yeah, like, it's interesting with my sir now, because, you know, I was just thinking about how We'll go somewhere and he'll notice all the cars that are in the accessible parking spaces mm. that shouldn't be there. And I don't even notice it anymore because I'm just so used to it. But he's like, oh, I can't believe they're they're in that spot. I wanna, you know, <laughs> I can't hope they're coming out. I'm gonna talk to them. I'm like, don't talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, like he and he'll notice too if if other people um come up to the to come up to us they'll always ask him like does she need help you know and um you know like it's funny even if we were when I used to be able to walk around the grocery store I would take the grocery cart and carrot and and pull push it um and it would help me with my balance mm-hmm. so I would always hold on to the cart yeah and great life hack would... and then, yeah <laughs> And people would always like stare at him, like, why are you making this girl push the cart? (laughs) And It's like, no, it actually helps. (laughs) Yeah, that is the
2: biggest life hack that I learned Um, in a grocery store, using the cart as a mobility aid when you don't want to use yours, because Mm -hmm. although it's hard to push the cart when it's so heavy, it actually benefits you because the weight keeps your balance. It's so helpful. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Angela when was the first time someone made you feel beautiful and not made you feel like you were being labeled as disabled
3: with my husband you know he would drill it in try to drill it into my head that I was beautiful and I still had a hard time believing it you know I, I think I I didn't feel it myself yet at that point, but he would tell me every day that I was beautiful and sexy. And and then I I started like wearing sexy dresses and sexy things and and eventually started to feel sexy myself. But that was the beginning of it.
0: How about you, Fall?
3: That's a bit of a weird
2: one for me. So I will say that uh, that boyfriend that I had was he definitely helped a lot um, in teaching me to feel confident in my body, despite not being able to use uh, to be able to do things, because it's not the sexiest thing in the world when you can't put your own clothes on to go out. Um, And, you know, it's not the sexiest thing in the world when you have to call your boyfriend crying from the bathroom because you can't crawl out of the tub on your own today Mm. but you know just those little those little moments of that look that they give you while they're holding your face in their hands and they just look you in the eyes and say I love you for you it's those moments that give you that feeling of everything about me is okay for this person and it's right for this person, which means that I can be okay for me. And then um, uh, the, the guy that I was with a couple weekends ago and him just completely worshiping my body was, was interesting. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to feel the way I did about it, especially in regards to like not liking my body very specific parts of my body but no he was just worshiping it and (laughs) and saying like essentially I was a piece of art and I'm like I'm okay with this this is great Mm -hmm. because I mean I didn't really leave the apartment for my visit there but he knew before me even going there that I had a disability and that you know sometimes I use mobility aids and he he was okay with it it wasn't it wasn't a thing that really came up over the weekend um but knowing that he knew and didn't care and obviously we weren't anticipating having sex but him still wanting to made me feel very desired and and I mean, for lack of a better word, beautiful. And it was nice. Mm. It was very nice.
0: That is beautiful.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Wanting to make sure that people can communicate properly, Angela, can you give me, and there doesn't have to be a specific number, a set of do's and don'ts when it comes to communicating with someone who is disabled for the first time?
3: So you want to ask them how they identify Um, because some people will say, I'm disabled. Some people will say, I'm a person with a disability. Um, You know, how do do they identify as a person with a disability and how do they identify? Um, And you try to use their language Mm -hmm. that they use for themselves and ask, I would say ask questions, don't assume anything, ask questions. Um, because you might be surprised at some of the answers, you mm. might think they need help in a certain way, and they don't, mm-hmm. um, they need you to do it differently. I, I've run into that a lot. Um, so that would probably be the biggest thing, just ask questions. And, you know, as long as people ask me questions, uh, respectfully, I'm, I'm always open and open to that. Um, I just don't like when people assume and, and just start trying to help me.
0: Fall Bunny, I will ask you a similar question. Top do's and don'ts for making a first communication with a non-binary
2: person. Uh, Do ask pronouns, for sure. Don't assume that everybody uses they, them pronouns. Um, Even people that aren't non-binary specifically um, might not use the pronouns you would expect them to. don't assume that, that the way someone dresses defines the way that they're feeling. So, I mean, I will often in sexy situations dress very feminine because that's all I know how to do. That doesn't mean I'm feeling like a girl. Um, do check in because gender thoughts are some of the most complicated and convoluted things to think of and sometimes it helps someone going through all of those thoughts and feelings to know that you're okay with them talking to you about it, to know that they can just say today's not a good gender day. (laughs) Today I feel like shit even though you know you may think i don't um and just just check in on your friends and and partners and don't take any hostility to heart because a lot of times it's just projection
0: angela time for you to be able to give a plug for the things that you're involved in i'm guessing the website the podcast and also i know you teach a lot of classes so please plug away
3: well, thank you yes you can find me at disirability that's d-i-s-i-r ability uh, on any social media and my website is disirability.com And my podcast is Desirability Alt, um, and that's on disability, desire, and alternative relationships. And yeah, I have some presentations coming up. Um, I have, trying to think, (laughs) I think I, I have one coming up in January, which is going to be on spirituality and kink. And then I'll be doing some more in April. So a little bit of time. But if you connect with me on social media, I can absolutely um, forward that information.
0: Thanks. I know you've worked with our great friends at Dating Kinky, our presenting sponsor and the people who produce our podcast. And we greatly appreciate uh, you being a part of those because your voice is definitely one that needs to be heard. And we greatly appreciate it. Thank you. Fall, I realize you don't have anything to really plug, (laughs) but is there anything that you wanted to allow the people to know about you? And uh, if there's anything fun you want to share?
2: Yeah, I mean, I I do have uh, Instagram. If someone has questions, it's just fallbunny on Instagram. Um, Or if for some reason you feel the need to email me, it's just fallbunny21 at gmail.com. Um, I'm working on figuring out a way to help more. I'm probably gonna, you know, maybe start some YouTube videos because there's a lot of lack of information for people that are going through the healthcare process with transitioning being non-binary in Ontario.
4: <laughs>
2: mm. Um yeah, so I'm gonna, you know, have to think of some ideas, but I know that there's definitely a need for that. So you know, maybe eventually on YouTube, Fall Bunny as well.
0: Angela, Fall Bunny, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to both of you. Best of luck in all your projects. And I look forward to following you on all the social media. And uh, Fall, we will talk next Monday.
3: Yes. Thank you so
2: much for having me. It was great meeting you.
0: You too. What a great amount of information, inspiration, and important thoughts and feelings from two wonderful humans. We would love to hear from you. You can write me at john at datingkinky.com. That's john, J-O-N at datingkinky.com. And now that we're on Apple Podcasts, as well as Google and so many more, if you get a chance, subscribe, rate, and review. It definitely helps us. And if you notice, I didn't say, give us a five-star review because we have to earn that. And while you're there, Check out the archives for some great interviews with guests like Lexi Silver, Lady Pym, Christina Carter, Nisa Nevers, Tara Indiana, Jane Boone, and more, and find out what they and other wonderful humans want. This is John, also known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope we've earned the privilege of your time and reminding you always to remember consent and to love each other always.
1: What women and other wonderful humans want connects with you on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want podcast on Instagram, and for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, Kinky Done Differently.